Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the ATP Weekly. I think it might be the last one of the year. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, John, John is showing me maybe uh, from the backstage. 
pro probably um, one of the last, let's just say that, you know, and I, I sort of had this um, idea for the show just a second ago that maybe we could just, because it's like such a specific event and we've got eight players, we could mm -hmm. just sort of talk about every single one of them and sure. uh, then move on to also, um, yeah, just briefly, of course, talk about the Davis Cup finals next. And also one more thing, what was, ah, doubles, I guess we can also talk about that later. But Yeah, we can manage um, yeah, I think we have to start with Novak Djokovic, though, right? The uh, <laughs> yeah. seventh ATP Finals um, title for him. Um, absolutely just breaking new records with every single tournament he plays. Mario, of course, for you, both finalists, you know, are players that you are really close to and, um, yeah, feel very passionate about. But uh, Novak Djokovic uh, does end up beating Yannick Sinner in a rematch of the round-robin clash. Uh, slightly disappointing final, but certainly not from Novak's perspective, right? Um, yeah, I mean, um, there have been some, uh, you know, moments uh, in, yeah, first set, just, uh, Novak has been very, let's say, clinical, serving incredibly well. Uh, yeah, so basically just uh, what happened in that third game uh, made the difference in the end in, the, in those, in, those uh, in this 6-3 set which opened the final. And then we had the 65-66 minute second set, uh, even if the score uh, in the end has been the same because it's been another 6-3, in which, yeah, there have been the break and then the last few games are, have really been... Um, you know, <laughs> there's been um, a lot of fight, even if without, of course, anymore the, the tension of the scoreline because it was uh, already in uh, having Novak's favor. Uh, but we've been those couple of break points and then the, the very long game, which saw Sinner holding. Uh, in, this, in the following game, Sinner was low 30. Uh, but yeah, overall... Um, yeah, let's say that beating Djokovic twice in a week probably it's it's too too much for everyone, and also the the performance he displayed in both semi final against Alcaraz and final against Sinner uh, have really been some some amazing tennis displays. So um, what do we have to say? It's <laughs> yeah, simply what Novak Djokovic is uh, really able to do also. Uh, not letting your opponent really um, entering entering the the match as you you have lost against him in the round robin uh, and then yeah basically playing at serving especially w was incredible in the final he didn't didn't even let Sinner find the rhythm from the baseline then because it was uh, you know that have there have been so few from from the baseline in the first set due to Djokovic serving incredibly in in his games. Yeah, and I think that was also the main difference between the semis and the final, right? The serving from Djokovic that was um, pretty much not a factor in the semis, I guess, as it actually hasn't been for like three straight matches with Alcaraz now. But actually, against Sinner, yeah, it was huge. And the, the percentage tennis, the efficiency, the depth that he played in the semis in the final. I am actually one of these people who kind of struggles to get excited by that. 
or maybe just is excited about that in a different manner. You know, it doesn't have the wow peaks and like the insta excitement, but you know, it, these were sensational tennis performances. And yeah, obviously just another record, another record. Uh, he could have been out of the tournament by the group stage, right? And uh, yes, <laughs> it was very, it was very close to that. I guess we might mention it more when we're talking about Sinner. But um, yeah, what do you think was like, um, you know, the drastic change in Djokovic's game between the group stage and the semis? Well, first of all, I was not honestly expecting him as an undefeated champion this week okay. uh, because I felt that uh, a match like the one against Sinner could have happened. Uh, because the field this year, in my opinion, seemed um, a bit stronger than it was last year. Um, even, I don't know, he he, he he hasn't played Medvedev, but still this year Medvedev is, uh, was presenting himself in a better shape than he was last year. And the presence of Alcaraz and Sinner playing at a very high level. Uh, there was Rune, which is a player... Um, yeah, who was fi- finding back, uh, finding back his game, and also has you know a game style that is not easy, it's not very easy to handle from from Djokovic, as we have seen in in their meetings. Uh, so yeah, I ha- I had the feeling that Djokovic could have easily lost, not easily, but could have lost one match out of the five. It, it wasn't you know that predictable as as maybe it was last year. Um, but um, yeah, what to say? I I think that uh, simply when he he then he, he's in the semifinals and then the family comes and then he, he I don't know he, he starts getting again his uh, his motivation one hundred percent because uh, I mean maybe also getting that word number one. Uh, the round robin, he was also a little bit tired because of that difficult Paris run, also with the stomach issue he had, and then playing that match on Sunday, trying to seal the world number one spot. Um, but then when he's in the semis, he starts again playing at uh, a great level, fully focused and trying to avoid the mistakes he had in um, in, in those matching in which he struggled in the... Um, uh, you know, in the um, in the round robin, even if the match I've been uh, surprised the most to not watching him at a good level, very good level, was the uh, the match against Urkac because we we shouldn't forget that I know that beating Urkac in straight sets is is not uh, that easy, but still I was expecting Novak more motivation. He was not getting that hungry maybe uh, when he was missing something. In the end, uh, before that. Uh, Thursday, uh, at the beginning of that day, Djokovic had on his racket the chance to, um, to, you know, to get out of, not get out, to qualify because uh, a straight sets win would have been enough for him. Um, so yeah, there have been a lot of interesting scenarios in that green group. Uh, but yeah, basically, in my opinion, uh, the semi-final and the knockout format. Mm, the sight of the title and also all the environment against um, um, around him with also the family reunited. Uh, in my opinion, all these factor helped him to um, to be fully, fully focused again in getting that the title. 
Um, yeah, and uh, it was a bit it was a bit weird, I guess, because during the event we were sort of like wooed by the youngsters, and we were like, okay, so this is the best semi-final lineup ever. I mean, we are all so pumped. And then Djokovic just comes out and destroys the two uh, young fellows, the two young fellows who have done the most damage this year. He actually does what I what I thought that he was going to do before the event. But during the round robin stage, I was like, yeah, okay, so this is actually very even now. I remember a lot of tweets from people like me, other than, you know, just saying that uh, this is a very good semifinal lineup, which of course it still was, uh, but saying that this is so close and like it's hard to pick a favorite. And Djokovic really made you just, just reminded us that it's not. It's actually very easy to pick a favorite. I mean, he's still the best indoor hardcore player in the world, hands down. And he's still the best player in the world, hands down. At least was in 2023. We'll see what 2024 brings up. But of course, he's got Australia coming. And yeah, is there any like, um, yeah? How do you how do you see Djokovic 2024 after this? Probably it doesn't have to be weaker than this one, right? I mean, it's 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 been ridiculous, and there's no real sign of this stopping. Of course, he still has Davis Cup finals, which um, which uh, John just mentioned on the chat. Uh, that he's already in Al Malaga. Yeah, but one thing I I have uh, learned in these past months is that even if Djokovic has won all the title uh, post Wimbledon, all the tournament he played, uh-huh. and also in the slams have been tw- have won twenty seven matches and just lost in the fourth set, uh, the fifth set that that final in Wimbledon against Alcaraz. I feel that um, one thing that is getting the tour. Uh, more interesting in this uh, in this moment, even if these these last two matches uh, haven't said so, is the fact that uh, I personally have the feeling that um, even the youngsters, even if they maybe are aware of the fact that they're going maybe to lose more than than they are winning against Djokovic, but still I feel that. Uh, are starting uh, um, entering on on the court, trying to do their best and thinking that maybe it is possible because there have been the matches Rune Rune really pushed him uh, Alcaraz. Yeah, this match has hasn't been close, but uh, you know he played other close matches this year against Novak. Uh, but also Sinner, I remember after the semi final in Wimbledon. Uh, lost in straight sets, but it still was like okay. This this time I felt closer, uh, even if I um, I ended up still losing in straight sets. I I feel that my win can come sooner or later, and it came. Um, so I would say that even if overall Novak is it's still clearly the best player in the world. Um, still, I I feel that uh, the, um, these losses are not really. Uh, or will not, I don't know, that's my feeling, uh, really make these players centering on the court against him, thinking I'm not going to beat him uh, or there is no chance for me. That's that's this, the thing I still notice, even if Djokovic won, let's say, comfortably uh, the last two matches he played. Yeah, we cannot we cannot really um, like put the sinner from the group stage match right in the in the final because that's not really how tennis works. I mean, all the ser- all the shots but your serve are influenced by the opponent as well. But yeah, it's it's uh, it was definitely not a performance of that same sort of cosmic level that he was on. Uh, but yeah, all, all all kudos to Djokovic anyway to just 
bringing some a completely different level of focus for the semis and the final. The final actually had him uh, like getting a bit sketchy, a bit messy for a few games in the second set. It wasn't as consistent, I suppose, um, as the Alcaraz semifinal, but that's absolutely fine because by that point, the match was sort of won already. In both cases, a very key moment was the two breakpoints saved at 3-2 in the second set where he kind of shuts the door on both players. Sinner still had like a deuce forehand that he missed, right? Uh, on Djokovic's serve at 2-4 down or whatever the score was, maybe 3-4 down. Uh, but Alcaraz didn't win a game after that moment that I mentioned, and Sinner only won one, which required yeah. 16 minutes. So uh, it kind of yes. shows you that these really were the moments when Djokovic just puts the final nail, nail in the coffin, even if, yeah, he could have taken that game against Sinner as well, that, that very long one, especially the, the volley, of course, on top of the net. But yeah, it, at that point, it didn't really matter. Just another um, insane set of performances, especially the semi and the final. Um, there is a question about Sinner, so let's maybe get to Sinner, uh, the runner-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, says bye. Uh, did we say something to... <laughs> That makes you want to leave the stream, Terry. But anyway, um, you know, bye. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Yannick Sinner, who of course made the final. In the end, a little bit of an underwhelming performance, but I think during the week I said my catchphrase that it doesn't really matter if he wins the title or not, because he's already shown us so much the last three months of the season. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just the set of performances that he had as well to make the final. Uh, basically every single one of them, even the free setter against um, Rune, where he already had some issues. But um, yeah, not not performing maybe at quite the same standard in the final, of course, isn't great. But after all, this was the biggest match of his life. And it still makes you very hopeful for 2024. Maybe, you know, there's just tampers that that um, excitement that people had just a little bit, which honestly doesn't even have to be a bad thing because now no one is screaming, okay, Sinner for the Australian Open, which I feel exactly. like if he... If he beats Djokovic here, everyone is picking him as like their top two favorite for the Australian <laughs> Open. We, we, we see another nice beat. Yeah. <laughs> if Sinner beats Djokovic again, we see another nice tweet. <laughs> yeah, we, but, we know how, how sometimes this can actually even hurt the player. So um, who knows? Maybe it's good that the expectations will be just a tad lower now. Um, no, yeah, I I would just say that even if um, their time on court probably has been the same because Djokovic has played the two matches over three hours, three hour and four minutes against Rune and three hours and nine minutes against Djokovic, uh, against Sinner himself. I must say that still I think that the week that led Sinner into the final was uh, a sort of exhausting week. Um, because uh, oh, it's difficult for me to describe. Uh, I don't think that the pressure affected uh, him in the final in terms of you know the occasion um, getting to him. Um, but uh, it's been a week because um, you know basically every matches that uh, every match he he was having like 15, 16 interviews because of all the t- Italian television who were there. Uh, every match that were kind of uh, you know, that atmosphere, that thing, and, and six million people watching the matches. Um, and you you may perceive this thing as uh, as well as you try to, you know, to, to only focus on yourself. But also, in my opinion, it's been also 
um, physically more exhausting than the week Djokovic had because, uh, yeah, Djokovic had the really tiring week physically um, in the first part, the first two matches. Then he plays against Turkac and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a match that goes three set, but still, uh, you know, it's not that kind of physical match. Like, for example, the matches mm, Sinner had against Rune and Medvedev uh, to, um, to come into, into the finals. Um, yeah, so I would say that I, I also was, in total honesty, I was not expecting him uh to to repeat the performance he had on um on Tuesday even if you know he managed to do a a difficult thing because he won despite Djokovic hitting more winners and, and fewer unfosters than him in that round robin match uh so it's not that Djokovic played bad in the round robin because uh, it hasn't been like that um, but yeah, that's still the difference between Djokovic and the rest. Djokovic can uh, manage him and pick in the final days, final two days to, to win the ATP finals. Sinner, and not only him, because I think also the other players, um, needs to have uh, be 100% there focused from Sunday to Sunday. Uh, to to win and prevail in these ATP finals, especially if you have to play Djokovic twice in the same week. So uh, I mean, if he was um, if he won the final yesterday, I don't know um, what the talk would have been around the world right now. Because uh, if you manage to win the finals as undefeated, beating Djokovic twice. Uh, you know, it's a thing that never happened, and so that's why it have an upper, <laughs> even even <laughs> yeah. even Federer didn't do it in 2015, even though it seems yeah. like he he should have a very good shot. I don't know who else really had a, had a chance. I guess Murray um, beat once, beat Djokovic once, right? But they couldn't be in the same in the group in the same group since they were yeah. number one and two. Yeah, it happened to um, Zverev the opposite. Yeah, uh, but I have to say that historically, I was noticing that. Uh, Djokovic lost twice the final uh, of the, the ATP finals. And in both cases, he had a flawless campaign till the final. And that's hmm. a lot about, about the opposite. When it's the opposite, Djokovic is incredible in, um, you know, focusing on what he has to do better in the semis and the final. And yeah, just to mention, you know, 2015, for example, but even this year, what happened... You know, and we are probably also, you know, mentioning two of, let's say, the three biggest years Djokovic had in terms of, of the success. So, yeah, just it's off to, to Novak, in my opinion. True, yeah. yeah. 2011 was definitely different as um, at the end of the year, he actually had a bit of a letdown, right? I mean, he was just crazy for eight months and then kind of cuts off. And, and I think he didn't even make it out of the group stage. Um Anyway, um, yeah, Yannick Sinner, uh, still a ridiculous performance, you know, the improvements that he's done to his serve, the way he's more comfortable playing at the net, using a drop shot. Some people even will probably say that in the final, maybe he just shouldn't have done that a lot of the time. But, you know, he Djokovic made him, like, come up with something different, made him come up with something that wasn't exactly in his comfort zone. I think it was still fine that Sinner, you know, tried his best. Uh, probably wasn't as sharp as in the group stage. 
but yeah, that that's the sort of percentage tennis that Djokovic played in the semis and in the final that allowed him to just make the margins so slim for Alcaraz, for Sinner, made, made them come up with this weird shot selection sometimes that probably we can uh, question, but it was also a direct result of how well Djokovic was playing. Um, yeah, I will, so- I will remember, you know, from this ATP finals, talking about Sinner, I will remember the third set he played against Medvedev in the semifinal. Uh, especially the final games, he, he had this shot making that it was... Um, it was astonishing uh, the way he was hitting those backhands in the final set. And, um, you know, you have to consider the whole process. I know that after, you know, a player loses a match and loses a final, um, you may feel a little bit underwhelmed. But if you analyze all what happened uh, this year, uh, which already started with good results, because we don't have to forget about Indian Wells semi-final, uh, the final in Rotterdam, the, um, the Miami final was, was solid. Also, the final in Miami, uh, he, you know, he, he had, let's say, quite solid result all year. But um, the perspective has changed in the few months, uh, in the last few months, because he actually, um, you know, consistently beaten uh, top five players, top ten players, um, let's say main rivals, because, uh, you know, he beat, um, yeah, all of them. Um, uh, in the end, uh, I made this start when, you know, there was still the tick uh, next to Djokovic's name. But if we exclude Djokovic, about the 16th best player in the world right now, except him, he, he won the last match played against 14 of them, uh, only having lost to, you know, Djokovic now and, and Zverev, talking about the last match they played. And so it says a lot about the fact that um, the perspective, in my opinion, changed because he showed in the past months that he's able also to win these kind of matches. Uh, and also doing so quite consistently, because if you win four back-to-back-to-back in the ATP finals, for example, it, it says quite a lot. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. In hindsight, when you're looking at Sinner and his sort of decision, which I don't think was really a decision. I think it was a given that he was going to try his best against Rune. In hindsight, do you think you know he should have done something different there? No, no. In my opinion, no. Uh, I believe that things. I don't want to say happen as they happen, but you are on. Uh, you know, you may argue about that, but you can't criticize uh, if if one player is on the court and tries to do he simply what he has in order in order to win. I don't think that we can we can really criticize that he has accepted the challenge simply you know to um, to face whoever he he needed to face and try still to win regardless of his of who his opponent would have been and 
yeah, I respect him for that. I don't think that he should have done something different. He could have, but I I don't think that we can criticize the fact that he he gave his all in all the matches he played. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I mean, he just gave whatever he had on the day, didn't calculate, and I like that. And um, basically, we also cannot really look at it like that because if he uh, loses to Runet and the semi-final matchups are swapped as well, who's to say that he even makes the final? Who's to say he beats whoever he would have to face in the final again? It's just not a given. Like, for me to actually believe that this was a mistake, I would have to like hundred be hundred percent certain that um, Sinner was just the second best player in the field, or let's say the first best player in the field. Whereas, uh, well, you know, it, it's still close. Like if if you get him playing against Medvedev, it's not going to be a hundred percent Sinner win, right? Like tennis does, doesn't work like that. Unless I get out onto the court and play Yannick Sinner, then of course I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win a game. But the, the, the main thing is that the gaps between the players are just not large enough for me to consider this a mistake. Yeah, sure. And yeah, also one more question about Sinner, Mario. I have yeah. one for you. What would sort of constitute a successful Yannick Sinner season for you in 2024? What does Yannick Sinner have to do in order for you to, at the end of 2024, say, this was good, this was progress, you know, this was further progress from 2023? Um, okay, uh, well, for sure, uh, let's say that he, I don't want to say win, but at least to, to really go deep in Grand Slams, um, maybe if he manages to win one, then he can lose round one, even in the, the other three, but, um, since we, we don't know this, I may think, you know, at least, one final and one semi-final, let's say having big deep runs in two in, in a couple of them. But um yeah, then it also depended on the circumstances. But I think that he should he should aim on, on winning let's say uh, I would say getting close to to a Grand Slam title and keep having you know a master you know um, another master's title uh, yeah, I would say that, that another Masters title and getting at least close to winning one Grand Slam. Um, then it may happen, it may not, but he has to, to, in my opinion, he has to aim to be close to that. Yeah, um, that, that's sort of my take as well. Uh, like a Grand Slam final next year and it's it's okay, but if he, let's say, wins two ATP thousands, but at the Grand Slam stage wouldn't get to a semi, yeah, I wouldn't like that. That 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 would be uh, still just sort of average because we have already seen all of that. And yeah, I just sure. want that progress in the best of five format. But yeah, I'm I am not also overly like hung up on him winning a title. Uh, maybe that will come later. Maybe in 2025, I will be like, oh, Sinner now has to win a slam title to be for this to be a successful season. But I think 2024 is perfectly fine. If Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic split the majors in 2024, is that a good year for Sinner? Yeah, kind of depends if he came close to any of them. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I don't care about yeah. who wins. Let's say like yeah. that. Uh, I'm more focusing on him. I think that, yeah, then of course, if he plays the final, you know, Let's say that the, the Canada final he played this year, Sinner Deminori is a Grand Slam final and he loses it, then maybe, you know, you can... Uh, yeah. 
but I'm I'm here just trying to project what next year can happen. So then, of course, my opinion can change, you know, considering all the real facts. But right now, it feels like he has to keep having his best of three set success and get closer, uh, not closer, but close to to winning a Grand Slam, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what, what John said in the chat as well, like um, the, the, the the main thing for me is that Sinner basically has a very poor record against the top 10 at the slums. So in best of five play, he has two wins and like his overall record, I think is 50% or about 50%. Uh, well, all, outside of slums, I mean, against the top 10. So that's a big difference. And also um, the fact that he sort of needs to avoid the losses like the one this year against Altmaier. Yeah, just get to the deep stages of slums on a consistent basis. You know, one loss is is not uh, one like round two or round three loss isn't anything horrible if it's backed up with like a final, a semi, a semi. You know, that that's that's these sort of results. I know it's it's a high sort of point for uh, for Sinner to to get to this year, uh, next year. But obviously, I think I'm still maybe a little more cautious than most people are. I think. You know, you're gonna find plenty of um, of tennis fans who will say, "Yeah, I mean, he has to get a, get a slam title next year." Uh, I, 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 in some way, I agree with the, with Sean in the comments, uh, but it, it's not like this hasn't uh, happened. For example, this year, U.S. Open, he he had three routine wins basically before getting Zverev in. In the round four, yeah, I think it's just uh, round Garros, right? I, I I agree that this point it has been brought yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even uh, it's only what, really round Garros this year. Yeah, yeah. Because even Australian Open, yeah, he came back uh, after being loved to down against Fuchovic, but it it hasn't been a very physical demand. Such a match. short match, yeah. Yeah, such it a short was match. still a short match. So um, uh, so I I really think that yeah, French Open was. But basically, because also that has been, uh, uh, in my opinion, the only stretch of the season in which he hasn't really been, uh, you know, up there. The, the the late on the clay season, Rome and uh, and French Open. Um. <laughs> Welcome to Mario's ATP Weekly. Honestly, this is an ATP Finals review. It was in Turin. It was uh, Yannick Sinner was in the final. This is sort of Mario's ATP Weekly. Uh, but I think we might have had enough Yannick Sinner for now. Uh, so let's talk about the semifinalists. And, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Carlos Caras semifinals. I think he was also, uh, just like Sinner, sort of a player who at some point would me into thinking that he will have a good shot against Djokovic. I think especially the first 15 minutes of the match sort of confirmed it. And I like the progress that he made on these particular touring courts, you know, these super rapid mm -hmm. conditions that we don't really get on the tour during the event. I think the last two matches in the group stage were just so much more comfortable. He was serving extremely well all week. But against Novak, it just wasn't enough, partially due to that ridiculous performance that, that Djokovic had. You know, again, then sort of the conditions came back uh, to bite Alcaraz already in the semis, not in the not in the final against Sinner as I thought they might uh, do, of course, provided that final was going to happen. And um, yeah, I think it's still okay for Alcaraz to show that sort of ability to adapt uh, he did not look comfortable at all at first. He was, I don't want to say complaining, but he definitely said, you know, that we should ha get some sort of warm-up events on this kind of stuff. But uh, in the end, he actually produced a pretty solid performance, maybe even better than I expected. I honestly didn't think that he was going to make it out of the groups. And um, it's just, again, sort of tells you that with time, he probably will be fine 
at the ATP Finals. I don't think it will ever be his favorite court in the world. But, you know, he is very versatile. He was, he's going to do okay at this event. He's not just going to get wrecked every single year, (laughs) zero and three in the groups, obviously. Um, Well, yes, let's just say that, uh, no, unfortunately, no, I I haven't been this year to Turin. And it got to me because probably out of the three editions, this has been, yeah, probably the most exciting, even despite, you know, those, uh, those semifinal and final, which have been, you know, yeah, Novak speaks better than 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 Sinner Italian, but Sinner's you know native language maybe is even in um, you know the the German they speak there in in that part of Italy. But uh, regardless of this, uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, Alcaraz, and yeah, I say that. Uh, comparing also to the expectation and the process and him adapting on these courts. Um, it's been a fair enough campaign, in in my opinion. Um, um, yeah, I would say that uh, we have, in my opinion, I have learned that he is able, of course, to, to adapt to that court pretty well. Then... Uh, Probably you're right when you say that it's not going to be his really his favorite. Um, I saw something interesting though, uh, so I have to say that um, I am okay with what he did. Even if that this red group, I don't know what you think about that, but this red group is also has been a little bit weird because um, let's say like this: I'm I still think about what would have happened if Zverev makes that volley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to go five one yeah. up in the tiebreak against Medvedev because uh, in the end uh, all have been decided by you know set percentages and all this and the last days we we've also had you know an Alcaraz who was sure winning that he would have um, qualified then Medvedev who was already qualified so this probably I don't want to say that made a little bit of a difference in the match they had but you know probably when you get to the crucial moments when you have to face a break point when you have to put that attention of the, that particular ball um, but yeah I would say that he in the end he, he did pretty well also because he was not coming to Turin with the highest possible expectations considering you know his his past month so he showed in my opinion quite good things despite you know the semi-final he he didn't achieve that much in the semi-final against Novak but still was okay yeah um absolutely and um yeah I guess I just I guess I just already commented on that and uh, absolutely he will be doing okay in their heart probably not you know usually on on courts like this it won't be his favorite but he is gonna be fine on it and um yeah by 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 the time we get to Turin next year I'm assuming that I'm not gonna be as negative on Alcaraz's chances of exiting the group stage as I was uh this time and the other semi-finalist of course was Daniel Medvedev I guess one of the players who like sort of you know there's no storyline about him this ATP finals because no, he just goes I... to one in the group stage he loses to Sinner again just okay right like yeah um no I wanted to ask you about the uh-huh. the the switch in this matchup between between Medvedev uh, yeah. and Sinner and but because one thing that that got me you know, Medvedev had had that treatment, so probably he was, 
maybe not 100%, but both in Vienna and uh-huh. he, uh, and here in Turin, actually has, I don't want to say happened the opposite than in Rotterdam, for example, but almost, for example, here... It kind of has the, this, this uh, one, yeah. Here, in the third set, it seemed like Sinner could have blasted his shots whenever he wanted to, and Medvedev was struggling to uh, to keep it up with, uh, with him. In fact, in the end, uh, you know... Um, so I, I wanted to think about the um, this uh, this matchup, you know, turn let's say turn around because after six straight wins for Medvedev, now we we got three straight for for Sinner in the past three months. Yeah, um, I actually think there is a direct correlation between these uh, this Rotterdam match that you mentioned and the ATP Finals here. Like very similar that taking one, taking a set of the player who lost, like it, it just took so much out of him that eventually he he couldn't win the match after that. So I think there is a bit of a correlation. I now see that my camera is like extremely blurry. Um, I'll try to f- work on that later. But anyway, <laughs> watch my finger now. Um, but anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think, of course, that the change is permanent. It's probably just going to be a bit of an even-ish matchup from now on. Obviously, the courts will also matter quite a lot when they uh, when they face each other on like a... Uh, well, actually, it's it's pretty hard to, to, to find um, like a, a court or, a, or a conditions that really would make one player be so much favored over the other. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, um, suddenly 10-6 sinner anytime soon. No, no, no. I, I was not meaning that, but, you know, also the, yeah, the logic know. of these matches have been have been pretty interesting because we've always said that, you know, Sinner, in order to beat Medvedev, should have uh, played so much different. And I don't want to say that it's not happening. Because in a way this... that it was, in a way it was, right? Because that's that's how he beat him for the first time in, yeah. in Beijing. Uh, but not necessarily Vienna and not necessarily... Uh, ATP finals, maybe the physical improvement as well of Sinner, you know, the fact that he's able to survive these longer exchanges with Medvedev and not go down like um, in Rotterdam, for example, like the first set just takes so much out of him and he's gone. Uh, Maybe that's also playing an important part. But yeah, just using that variety, maybe not as heavily as in Beijing, but just having it in his toolbox. It is a good idea, of course, and um, yeah, I, li- I like how he's been playing these matches for sure in in Vienna and um, Turin. He's definitely not just speed running the net or I don't know throwing in a drop shot every single game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's just going for these plays when uh, he feels like it and when when it's when it's comfortable. He's getting more comfortable at that as well. And um, yeah, six love. Uh, it was a tennis score. Now it's six three. Still a tennis score. But yeah, winning the last three times against Medvedev obviously is a fantastic achievement for Sinner. And uh, I think Daniel will be very motivated to get back at him because, yeah, how, 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 how does it feel you know, to, to meet uh, someone like change. this? And then... I felt a change in him because this time, uh-huh. he, yeah, aside those last games, uh, in my opinion, and I think that that I can probably, um, you know, say it too, I, I felt that Medvedev was more aggressive this time, um, especially with the forehand and it's in the second set. Then only thing is that he paid, but he, you know, he he ran out of gas in the end. Uh, but he was trying to be more aggressive than than usual because probably he, 
probably he also felt that his usual game was not enough anymore and he also needed something more from himself to to beat this this Yannick Sinner. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he, he did uh, leave the group stage, which I think a lot of us were um, definitely quite, um, you know, we were predicting that, like we were expecting that, but he just didn't, failed to impress, sort of, let's say, at the ATP finals, uh, Daniel Medvedev uh, for sure. And um, yeah, losing to, of course, to Alcaraz in the group stage with a very tame um sort of result and um i know it didn't mean that much because he was already qualified but it made him have to play sinner i don't know if actually sinner or djokovic was going to be easier for him at this stage <laughs> I, I really have no idea uh, i actually think he probably would have given djokovic a tougher test than alcaraz or sinner did uh but yeah um, probably I, yes I, due, to, uh, due to the way medvedev uh, you know plays um such a different opponent right and yeah yeah, yeah. so i I don't know, but I tend, yeah, to think that he will, he would have won at least some more game, probably. But we never know. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I, I, I believe that as well. But uh, would he have won, you know, with this sort of hungry, motivated Novak? Probably not. But anyway, a decent ATP finals showing for Medvedev. Just like his season was, you know, very, very good. Uh, but perhaps didn't quite have that spectacular yeah, the one final big part. title. Yeah. I, of course, it had a few um, ATP thousands, right? I mean, what, Miami and Rome, right? Yeah, Miami and Rome. I'm not forgetting Rome. anything. Yeah, Miami and Rome. Rome. Yeah, that's been the thing. He had, let's say, a great first part of the year because, yeah, the Australian Open was disappointing, but after that, he, he had a great season. After Rome, it's still been solid, uh, good results. Uh, you know, also a major final. It's, it's not that easy to, to reach. Um, but without those, you know, peak moments, no titles, let's say like that, uh, that probably has been the, the change from first and last part of the year. Um, yeah, um, that, that, that's true. Um, and, uh, basically I think that Medvedev was still, like say the, the third, fourth best player of the season, but because of the last few months, I'm including Sinner in that conversation as well. Um, but yeah, of course, the US Open could have changed a lot for, for Medvedev if he delivered in that final, if he actually even pushed Novak in that final, but he didn't. But as a whole, a very strong season. ATP finals just um, average, what we expect. Not in the score, but physically, yes, he did. Um, um, yeah, second set. Let, I mean, there let's was a, say there that, was that passing point. shot. It's one yeah, of the yeah. motives of of this season. Maybe uh, Daniel <laughs> wins it. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, he was definitely looking a little fresher. And and Novak recently in grandstand play has had these physical dips, like the third set against Alcaraz, for example, at Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. But it, it it usually doesn't last. All yeah, time. yeah, yeah. But uh, but we'll see. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Anyway, yeah, the group uh, the group stage, who went out in the group stage, one of the unluckiest, I guess, players were Holger Rune and, um, and uh, 
Jesus. Uh, Alexander Zverev, of course. Alexander Zverev went 2-1 and actually did not have a shot even when playing his match against Andrei Rublev. Um, so, yeah, you already mentioned that, but like there are a few chances that he missed against Medvedev, right? That was that was where it ran, went wrong for him, but still another very strong performance on the Turin courts, which clearly suited him extremely well. Yeah, yeah I felt that... Let's say that uh, in the end, I felt that um, his, you know, his level was not clear third in that group. He was close to the other two in terms of the, um, you know, the ten, the way he played. Because in my opinion, he played, um, you know, three good matches. Of course, that when you when you miss these opportunities, and then it's, it it cost you that much. Um, he, he was also up break against uh, against Alcaraz in the first set, and then he lost it. He he had, in my opinion, uh, I mm, you know mm, I felt that he could have uh, he had the, the clear chances to 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 get out of the group. In the end, it hasn't happened for you know some let's call it eight, but in the end, they've made all the differences. Um, still, I'm putting things into perspective, and you know his season. My judgment of his season is ups and downs, but still, you know, uh, a promotion uh, for the way he came back. Yeah, uh, definitely a strong one. I think, especially considering the first half of the season, it's absolutely fine because the first half of the season still had him like coming back and just slowly building up. So I think as a whole, despite him just having Cincinnati in the US Open really as this one moment when he was like truly, truly back, uh, still a good comeback. Uh, and um, yeah, let's see how he performs in 2024. Here, a little unlucky, but at the same time, he didn't maybe quite belong with the top four, you know, the, the best four names in the world. And Holger Rune probably didn't either, but also deserves a bit of pra- a bit of praise for his performance. Obviously, the only one, the only win he got was a retirement after three yeah. games. But he did play well against Sinner. He did play well against Djokovic. I hope to see these two matchups a lot, um, a lot more often in the future. Especially, you know, if we could get a final in 2024, a final of a Grand Slam between two of Alcaraz, Rune, Sinner, that would be amazing. Um, as a whole, Rune's season, of course, has this one big stain in the second half of it. But by like until Roland Garros, he was doing well. Let's say even until Wimbledon. He was actually making significant progress compared to 2022. And I hope that, you know, his health is going to be good enough just in order to allow him to get back to that in 2024. And if he can, I think, you know, in in, in a season or two, he can definitely be up where Alcaraz and Sin are right now. Uh, yeah, in my, opi- in my opinion, what still, you know, uh, where still there is some distance between him and this top four, uh, which the ranking has right now is that he should be, in my opinion, a little bit more consistent throughout the whole match. Um, he usually tends to have, we have seen this also in some Grand Slam matches this year. Um, at times, even, you know, here in the ATP finals, even if the opposition was elite, because in, let's say, two matches he played, he, he faced Djokovic and, and Sinner, which are argu- arguably the two players who, who you know, handed the year better. Um, 
yeah, a little bit of also physical improvements to to avoid, you know, for example, in the match against Djokovic, in the end, in my opinion, the physicality has played a big role because in the third set, um, he, I had the feeling that Djokovic had more uh, to give to to that set uh, rather than than Rune. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but. Uh, especially in the Djokovic match, because I have to admit that the Rune Sinner is the only one I haven't seen all week. Um, during the match against Djokovic, I felt that with patience uh, during the points, he was causing a lot of trouble to, to Djokovic. At times, yeah, he wanted maybe to do... Uh, sometimes he... Um, it's also one of his, you know, of his weapons, uh, having these big returns and uh, coming to the net. But at times, he can still do that with a little bit more patience, in my opinion, in some stretches of the matches. I don't know what you think. Um, he kind of just doesn't have the right balance yet and, like, an identity on court as a whole. Like, I think it, it's just very hard to say what Runa will be playing in two years, like, what sort of play style, really, because he's so all-rounded, and that actually really is, is so good for him because against someone like Djokovic, as you said, he can just sort of wait him out, counter-punch against him. Other players cannot, whereas at the same time, he can just suddenly slam a forehand and, yeah, go to the net. And the combination of all of that is making him a very dangerous force. But at the same time, yeah, he sort of still needs a bit of, like, drop a bit of that raw edge. And, mm. um, yeah, as Michael says, I mean, he's just extremely complete. And that's great. It also, for now, kind of makes him struggle to choose all the best options in the right moments. But I think, you know, in in, in, in some time with more experience, maybe with a good coach, like Boris Becker, yeah, that's, yeah. that probably should be ironed out. And also, of course, yeah, the physical issues, if that ever stops, he's still growing, you know, he's 20. Yeah, he, sure. It might get better just naturally. Maybe he does some work on it during the offseason. Hopefully, uh, just no more patches like after Wimbledon. And then we can yeah. see like the, the true progress of Rune that he could have had this year. Um, yeah, and also the uh, the players that did not do that well in the group stage. So, and well, one player, I guess, didn't really play all that much, but Andrei Rublev maybe first. Uh, he uh, had six sets. He didn't win a single one. And um, yeah, as a whole, I guess, if you look at Rublev's ATP final record, I mean, he ATP finals record, he made it four times already, four consecutive times, which is yeah. excellent. But once he actually gets there, you know, I know he qualified from the groups in 2022. Uh, but he then lost to Rude, a very disappointing performance indoors, I think. So, you know, as a whole, not amazing. And it, it's kind of consistent as well with Rublev's general top 10 record and, yeah, how he performs against the very best. Um, yeah, of course. His top 10 record is not even that bad if you look at the numbers, but it's different when you play one tournament in which you have to face one top player yeah. and maybe you play a great match and you you win um, as he, he did sometime. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's a bit difficult to uh, to imagine you know him even not, I don't know doing what let's say Sinner did, winning four matches here at the ATP Finals, then maybe losing the final. But it's he you know um, yeah that's the. Um, yeah, I don't want to say he lacks a, a plan B, but uh, at times 
even despite all the improvements we have underlined a lot of times, I think, uh, this year, um, you know, this ATP final still uh, brought me a, a little bit back because I this year I felt like, okay, the strong, the field is um, feels pretty strong, but Rublev with all his um, his improvements this year, he, he played well. He was deservingly number five in the world for the results he had. Um, so I had, I don't want to say um, big hopes, but still I felt that his group was um, difficult, but not impossible. Uh, and so having him, you know, going out love six in sets, in my opinion, is pretty disappointing considering his trajection and, and, and yeah, also, you know, uh, the group stage in itself. Yeah, he. I, I thought he was going to be a strong contender to get out of the groups because, you know, provided that Alcaraz wasn't going to be um, a factor, maybe. And then you have Rublev as probably like the just the consistent option that he has been all year. And it doesn't work out for him at the ATP finals. As a whole, yeah, when I looked at his overall tour in London record, yeah, there is a bit of a story there, but of course it's generally a story of Andrei Rublev all of the time, I guess, that, you know, against the elite, he kind of lacks it and, like, you know, struggles to get that big title, other than, of course, winning an ATP 1000 this year and getting another, close to another one, uh, both being, though, like, you know, events where stars aligned for him a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, mo- maybe also the cold, um, it could have played yeah, into, was... uh, into that as well. Um, he was definitely a bit off color the first two matches, especially, then gets really frustrated uh, in a couple of occasions, which is usual for him as well, but probably the extent of it was one that we hadn't really seen before. So, yeah, disappointment for him, 100%. Still a great season. Uh, you know, the fifth yeah. best player in the world by a country mile. It's just that he is actually distinctly, like significantly far behind the top four. Still. Yeah, yeah, so. it's been his best season, that's for sure. And <laughs> that's for sure, because, yeah. yeah, even in 2021, has been top five, reached a couple of Masters final, but then he lost them straight away. This year, he, he you know, he, he had better, the, in my opinion, the best season. Uh, but still, yeah, there's there's something lacking him in, in, in these moments, yeah. Uh, and then we have Stefano Tsitsipas, whom I don't even know if we can judge realistically. Um, well, we talked about this on some other Talking Tennis shows. I don't know, Mario, I, I don't know if I remember what your opinion about his retirement was. Um, personally, I was, you know, sort of defending him that, well, you he got the green light to play. He was fine on Sunday. He injures himself, maybe in the warm-up. I mean, that's what he says, and I don't really have an, a reason not to believe him. He uh, the injury progresses. The injury is uh, more serious, and you know he has to pull out. It happens. Uh, he didn't do that to ruin anyone's day, obviously, and he didn't do it for money either, um, because well, the guy has yeah. all the money in the world. So um, basically, unless you are a spectator in Turin, I don't really understand on that day. I don't really understand, you know, the emotional outrage of people. But yeah, we can't really judge, I guess, this Tsitsipas performance. He had a pretty poor match against Rune, and that's all we saw from him. Uh, Sinner, you mean? But yeah. Oh, uh, Sinner, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can understand the people who were there. That's for sure. Uh, you know, so I won't do the, 
you know, I won't even do the, the moral policy towards the people who were there and did some booze. It's not, you know, the, to attack Tsitsipas, it was because they were disappointing the fact that they yeah. had spent money and they, you know, they only basically only watched the doubles match and not the singles one. Um, but I won't do the moral policies neither towards Tsitsipas, honestly. Um, yeah, uh, at first maybe I thought because I was a little bit also shocked that all oh, three games it's over, uh, and maybe I thought, I thought like, mm. but in the end I think that he deserved that spot here. That and he tried to do the best possible to to, to try to to make his his appearance uh, appearance count. Um, it's difficult to judge for me because you don't really know what the, the doctors told him, uh, uh, what was the situation in practice uh, during the warm-up, uh, and how even was the situation during the match against Sinner. Um, because I think that if I qualify to the ATP Finals, even if I am at 60%, but I am able to play, I play. I don't know, but I, I feel like that. Um, because yeah, it's not something that happens for to to everyone and every year. Tsitsipas is getting there consistently, it has to be said. But uh, still, you never know. So if he feels that he can, you know, play the match, because uh, maybe the doctors told me no, you you can play, or he was not feeling particular pain uh, during the first match and the practices later. Mm, who knows? Mm, so I won't really, you know, go too too harsh on him because I don't know all the details of what happened. We just can make assumption. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he just deserves benefit of the doubt here because there's just no way we have the full info on that. Yeah, this this tweet as well shown on the screen. <laughs> we we talked about it like two or three days ago in one of the talking tennis streams where yeah, we just said that sort of the connection that people are now establishing between tennis players and their coaching uh, and, and their clothing brands is a little wild to me. Um, and uh, after all, it's it's just clothes. But that's also my sort of um, statement in, in general in life. You know, I think clothes are uh, just there for us not to be uh, called. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's a, that's a topic for another day. Uh, I guess Hubert Hurkacz also isn't much of a talking point here, right? Because well, he only got the one match. He did okay for two sets. Probably um, has that one tiebreak in the opening set against Novak to to regret. But otherwise, he was okay. I, I think he showed that he could have been a threat in Turin. He could have pushed someone. He could have qualified yeah. of the group stage in a in a like a you know a decent draw for him. So. Um, yeah, all all more reasons for him to ch really chase that spot in Turin next year. Yeah, no, I I have to say that I agree. He had this, you know, great uh, last part of the season, which hopefully will will help him to to start uh, in the right way the twenty twenty four season because. Uh, he he qualified in 2021, has been an alternate without playing last year, I think, also. Yeah. And, and this second year... Al too, second also, alternate last year, so... Also playing uh, playing another match. He, he is now love four in the ATP Finals, but three of these four matches have been to 
uh, he have won a set in three out of these four matches. So um, I think that he this also this match he had against Djokovic, who was actually who actually needed to qualify. Uh, so Hurkacz played the role in in the world part. Um, I think that he should be you know work with optimism towards the next season. Yeah, second half certainly gives him that. better results in the Grand Slams, maybe. Exactly. That that's the one goal for 2024, yeah. I think, for him. Um, just a deep run in one of the free slams where he can do it. And if he actually, you know, finds it at the French, like that's fine too. But I think that's the one where there's no pressure on him, whereas the the other three are yeah, yeah the, this is where he actually can do it easily. Um, anyway, I think maybe, you know, to, to sort of end it, we can also mention the Davis Cup finals because we have that coming up, of course, this week on the main tour. John is there, so he's going to keep bringing you content from Malaga and the Martin Carpena Arena, apart, uh, apparently. Tomorrow, it starts with Canada against Finland, the first quarterfinal. Then uh, on Wednesday, there's going to be Czech Republic against Australia. And then on Thursday, a doubleheader of um, Italy, Netherlands, and Serbia, Great Britain. So there actually could be another Djokovic senior to end the season in the semifinals. Do you have any like favorites for the Davis Cup finals, Mario? Is there a country that you feel like will, will do extremely well here and probably top the others? Canada, of course, is the defending champions, but they uh, have a pretty different team now. I mean, I had, but basically, I there's no Denis Shapovalov. Yeah, I had some thoughts two months ago, but now they are totally different because Canada grew in my perspective because the fact that Felix ended the season in a good way uh, yeah. after struggling a lot. Um, Great Britain without Dan Evans. Uh, which you know played a huge role in the in the um, it was the group stage. Um, you know it feels it feels still a bit different. Uh, I have to say that Davis Cup it's you know the new format. Uh, maybe the only thing I tend to like is that. The, the differences are slight because, for example, Great Britain, Serbia, you may think that now Serbia is favorite, but can Draper beat Jere if they play a second against second? I think he's the favorite, like a slight yeah. one, but still, yeah. And then if they, you know, won all after the two singles matches, and then suddenly Great Britain, maybe he's even slight favorite in the double because, yeah, and there's yeah. not Evans who played with Skupski, but the doubles in Great Britain is always. You know, it's amazing. Always... I mean, yes, yeah, Skarski, yeah. Salisbury, and then you get Djokovic with a mediocre same, doubles player. Same with the uh, um, no Netherlands against Italy, because apart from Sinner, mm, the form of the Italian players are um, is questionable right now. Who knows even if Sinner goes there one hundred percent, or maybe Griegspur mm, can have a chance against him if he's not one hundred percent also. Uh, but even if he wins, I still think that Netherlands can can win the tie. Um, even you know if Sinner beats Greeks were in the it's not the first match; it's the second one again. The one, but it's it's not that important. Uh, yeah, doesn't, doesn't make a difference. Australia, um, why not? Why not Australia? Uh, in my opinion, he it is a team also mm, quite well balanced to um, you know. The difference is like because of this, um, you know, uh, of this format, two two out of three rubbers. Um, so it's 
in my opinion, it's difficult to make clear prediction about that. And we have also to think that if we you have a, um, a strong player like Djokovic, of course it's a, a plus for you because I don't want to say you have one point, sure, but, um, you know, should be. Um, but at the same time, you know, for example, the, the doubles is important. It's not anymore one doubles out of five matches, but one doubles out of three. Um, and that changes, uh, you know, changes things. The, the, in my opinion, the, the differences are slight. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be very hard to predict this. I think the Netherlands is a very dangerous team as well. Yeah. Uh, Botik van der Zanskop in recent weeks has got has gotten some form. And, you know, Kohlhoff Roger, that's that's an amazing doubles pairing, even if they don't uh, actually play each other, play with each other on a daily basis. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wonder even how the Czech Republic can do. They were so good in the quarters, mm-hmm. I mean, in the quarters, in the group stage. And they might don't they might not seem that amazing, but you know, Mahaj Lehechka, it's it's a surprisingly strong yeah, single yeah, yeah, team, right. especially indoors. And Pavlashek, you know, he's been having such good success at the um at, on the major in doubles. Yeah, I, I think it's really even between most of these. Finland, probably the huge underdogs. Uh they will need to, they will need Otto Vintanen to come up with some absolute magic again, basically, because their their doubles yeah. is strong. There, um, I don't know if it's what combination is going to be. Probably Heliovara, Niklas Salminen, and I think that's a strong doubles team. But uh, Virtanen, uh, I think, um, he needs to just be insane, just like in the group stage again, which of course hasn't been working out for him at all, like you know, in individual events. But at the by the way, I have was great. I have a deep feeling inside me if I have to uh, make a uh-huh. prediction that the Netherlands yeah. are going to 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 do it. Me I too. don't know. Yeah, I have this deep inside um, feeling. If I have to 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 make a prediction, um, me too. Yeah, I think Griezmann will have a very good chance against Sinner right away, just because you know Sinner has just played so much and Griezmann is mm. just that good. And uh, and yeah, Botic van der Sarsgoop against either Ita- of Italy's singles number two now right right now. I think he is the slight favorite, just because they've all been. You know, they've all had their issues. You know, Musetti on courts yeah. like this. Yeah, not really. Arnaldi has been injured. Uh, Sonego. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's just Sonego. So, <laughs> so yeah, basically, uh, I, I also think that the Netherlands will have a very good shot at stopping that Sinner Djokovic one. One more question from Michael. What about the extremely handsome Italian Mario is he playing? Mario is not playing, if if that's the extremely <laughs> handsome Italian you're talking about. But who is, who is Michael talking about, actually? I, I'm not sure. Musetti, maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't think it's Arnaldi. I don't think it's Sonego. Yeah, maybe someone else. Maybe Koboli. Oh, Koboli could be right. Uh, and yeah, he's not maybe, playing. Yes. But... Berettini. Um, but oh, oh yeah, yeah Berettini. Yeah. People, <laughs> people have said that he's handsome in the past. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Sinner <laughs> is not bad either. But uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a bit can. of a kid, you know. He, he just looks like a kid, I guess. And uh, if someone digs that, you know, why not? <laughs> but anyway, I think once we got here, I mean, this is probably a good time to stop. <laughs> yes, exactly. Probably... <laughs> Even because this is not, you know, um, a handsome competition. <laughs> <This> is... Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, the extremely handsome Italian journalist, uh, Twitter uh, ex star Mario Bocardi is not going to be playing in the Davis Cup finals. No, no, no. Uh, me, <laughs> I'm also not he... playing. Yeah, that's a huge blow for for Italy. Yeah, so and, yeah. he's not there. Uh, I'm also not playing. Uh, but John Silk yes. is there. The extremely handsome. Uh, Deutsche Welle <laughs> journalist from Bonn, Germany. He is there in uh, Malaga and he's going to keep bringing you content. Uh, so, uh, Botik van der apparently soon. I think Felix was supposed to be there, but is he? Is he actually? Yeah, okay. That interview did happen. So, that also is going to. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, there's going to be lots of content from Malaga. Uh, we are delighted that you guys were here with us and um, just, you know, delivered as usual. The happening tomorrow, okay, maybe apparently, yeah, because it was supposed to happen today. But anyway, uh, yeah, thank you for your attention, for your comments as usual. Um, yeah, that was another great show. And uh, I guess uh, probably we'll see you guys next week then. And um, yeah, just keep tuning into the Malaga content. Subscribe, like, and etc. And we'll see you guys in uh, seven days, probably talking about the Davis Cup finals and maybe some uh, next-gen finals preview as well. Um, bye. Yeah, bye-bye. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.